0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette and this is your Locked On Canucks for the morning of Thursday, February 27th, the day that the Canucks are set to take on the Ottawa Senators as their eastern road trip continues through uh, the Canadian teams out east. Anyways, having defeated Montreal on Tuesday afternoon in a thrilling comeback overtime victory. And of course, uh, I haven't spoken to you since the day of uh, Saturday, which was that incredible 9-3 victory over the Boston Bruins. Exactly the emotional boost and response from this Canucks team that I had spent days in the lead-up pleading for as Vancouver had played terribly in the run-up to that game over the course of their five-game homestand. Finally found their passion, finally found their feet in the fifth and final game before heading out on the road there. But of course, this being Vancouver, this being the Canucks, a cursed franchise as we all have come to know over the years, uh, a, a high that high, a sweetness that sweet cannot come without a cost. And that came on Monday during the trade deadline when the Canucks at the last minute, basically as the clock struck noon and the deadline came to pass, went out and acquired Louis Domingue from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for AHL goalie Zane McIntyre. Now this is not even Utica's starter. That of course is a job that has fallen to Mikey DiPietro in recent weeks. DiPietro has been spectacular for the Comets of late. Uh, So... It seemed like an odd move, obviously, uh, to go out and acquire a $1.1 million backup NHL goalie uh, for your AHL backup. Uh, The reason for that, of course, as Patrick Johnston soon let us know. Very quickly was on the story. PJ had the deets before anybody else was the only one to know. That unfortunately, Jacob Markstrom has come down with a torn meniscus and will be reevaluated now in two weeks' time. Uh, the general estimate is that he's going to be on the shelf for three to four weeks uh, talking to people who are uh, doctors and nurses in this field. It sounds as if. Uh, well, there's a couple ways they can go depending on the severity of the injury they could try to uh, repair the meniscus, which would take some time or they could just remove it outright and he could be back playing uh, within a uh, a much smaller time frame. He did have a procedure on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the Canucks did announce that it was successful and that he will be reevaluated once swelling subsides so we will wait and see on that front but man, does that just feel like? A swift kick in the nuts after uh, it seemed like things were coming together for this team finally. Um, I'm sure nobody feels that pain worse than Jim Benning. Uh, of course, uncut Jim was uh, back at it again. No, he was not able to make any more uh, lofty bets. He decided to stay put and bet on the team that he had put together. And that's the right thing to do, honestly. Uh, I, of course, railed against the idea of trading away an Adam Godet or trading away a Troy Stetscher... Uh, even for players on long-term deals, you know, is sure you can. If you make those deals to get better, to get actually appreciably better, uh, but you, but you're also needed to manage the cap. And as much as people are freaking out about what Troy Stecher might cost after his arbitration hearing. He's not going to cost as much as even just keeping Chris Tanev, you know. He doesn't have that kind of pedigree. He doesn't put up the kind of counting stats required to be scared about what you might pay this guy. And he also does not have a lofty salary set in place that you need to qualify like Ben Hutton did. I just do not see this as a repeat Ben Hutton situation, and I do not see there being an arbitration case that's going to be so incredibly costly that they need to walk away from this guy unless that's what they already ...want to do. Now, obviously they didn't do that! And that's excellent! And, uh, you know, I I do really feel for a guy like Stetscher. I I really uh, rallied around some of his quotes that he put out uh, in the lead-up to Deadline Day, uh, talking about being a Vancouverite and how much playing for this team and putting on that sweater on a nightly basis means to him. What an honor it is and how much he tries to go out there and make the fan base proud... Each and every time. I also really enjoyed uh, the post game quote after the Boston game from Travis Green. Green asked about whether. You know, Troy Stetcher had a bounce-back game. He opened up the scoring that night in Boston. Did he only do that to try and set the rumors aside or go out and prove himself to this team, go out and prove himself to this management group, that he is a part of the solution here, that he should not be traded away, that this team needs to keep him, and they have to after he goes out and performs the way he did like that. Travis Green uh, putting those rumors squarely to bed, saying this is not a guy who needs to prove anything to anyone. This is not a guy who goes out and makes a statement like that to his team or his management. Uh, He goes out and he plays hard every single night. He plays for his teammates and he loves to win. And the way that Travis called him this guy, he said, this guy plays hard every night. I I tweeted about this the other day and I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't uh, get across exactly what it was about hearing Travis Green call uh, Troy Stetcher this guy with such affection. But part of me in my heart knew listening to that coach's answer that, you know, I think a lot of people have believed that maybe there's just not a fit between this player and this coach. This coach does not believe in this guy. There's a reason why he sends him back down the depth chart to start every season. The reason I think is because management goes out and makes acquisitions trying to force him down that depth chart. There's a reason why he worms his way back up it every single season and it's because this coach, for all his tough love, for all the times that he does slide him down the depth chart to start the year really does appreciate this player, really does believe in this player, and I hope that's a sign of things to come because look, I know that Troy Stetcher is not a make or break piece on the Canucks being a Stanley Cup contender at the end of the day. Could they do this without him is he, uh, you know, a, a significant part of the bigger picture as they try to assemble a winner here in this city. No, he is not. I'm very familiar with that. But he's not hurting you. He is helping you, and he might be helping you in ways that are severely underappreciated by certain portions of this market, and perhaps even certain portions of the front office group here in Vancouver. So. Uh, I'm happy to see him stay. I was happy to see Travis Green really go out of his way to give Troy some love after that Boston game. Hard not to give everybody some love, though, after that Boston game, really. Um, and uh, I- I'm glad that that's all that they did. You know, I, I talked last week about how even using Ali Levy as a trade ship made me nervous because. Oli Levy should still be an important piece of this team's future. Maybe not as important as they thought he would be when they drafted him at fifth overall. Lord knows he's never going to live up to that. But, I mean, this is something I've talked about over the course of this season, both with J.D. Burke and with Corey Hergott. The fact that, like, it is still important for this team to get at least a bottom-pairing defender out of Oli Levy because I got kind of caught off on a, on a runaway train uh, series of of uh, segues and, and tangents the other day as I was talking about this. But like, this team does not have defensive assets to give up. I mean, there's people who are saying that they don't even have forward assets to give up. That trading Tyler Madden for Tyler Toffoli in a swap of Tyler's was not the right thing to do. That this team does not have anywhere close to the necessary pieces uh, in the prospect pool to be able to start giving prospects away like they're not going to turn out. And even if they do, they're not important to the overall depth of the team that you're putting together. I will say, though, there are not a lot of spots up front on this team for a young guy to make it. They have boxed themselves in with all of the veterans that they keep signing year over year over year. And there's not a lot of room for a guy like a Tyler Madden to crack this roster. Not next year, not the year after that. If though, if that's what he's going to do, if that's the timeline that he's on, they do have room for young guys to make the team on D or they should very soon. Alex Edler only has one year left after this. Uh, Kristanov might be gone at the end of this year. And there are places that you do need young guys to step in and continue making this defense viable to be a winning team going forward. I mean, defense is already the problem with this team. So the fact that they stood pat, that DeFoley was only their, uh, you know, their only real move at the deadline save for bringing in Deming, who is really just going to back up Thatcher Demko. I mean, this is... This is Demko time. This is his opportunity to be the, the fresh maker, I guess. Demkos, the fresh maker. Uh, to, to prove that he can be the guy going forward, that he is still a part of this. Because uh, this, I mean, look, this was supposed to be a year where things were split probably a little bit more evenly than they have been. Maybe it's worked out in the end that. You know, Demko has played roughly about what he was going to just based on how many games he had to play in Markstrom's absence in the early going. But you're going to find out a lot about what Thatcher Demko is here over the next month. And we had a good start to that on Tuesday in Montreal. Before I talk more about Demko, though, I do want to spend some time talking about the way Tyler Toffoli has integrated himself into this group. And look, I was pretty glowing in my assessment of Tyler Toffoli, I think, after the opening game last Thursday against Minnesota. Uh, You know, the Canucks didn't win that game in the end, but Toffoli fit in well on that top line, not the hardest line to fit into in the world, necessarily. And uh, two guys who are are playing very, very well right now, JT Miller in particular, is just on a tear for Vancouver at a time when, you know... (laughs) If he weren't here right now, there would be uh, a lot of uh, magnifying glasses on the performances of guys like Elias Pettersson and Beau Horvat that are not there at all because JT Miller is producing an insane clip to cover up the way that Vancouver's younger star forwards have maybe dipped a little bit of late. They're certainly picking it up again. Don't get me wrong about that. Uh, Bo Horvat in particular is coming alive over the last week or so and that is fantastic to see at a time when his team desperately needs him to do that. But I I tried to be a little bit, uh, I don't know, reluctant to be as effusive in my praise of Toffoli as I could have been perhaps after that first game because I always think about the fact that guys in their first game, whether that's you just been picked up uh, at the trade deadline, if it's a trade acquisition, or someone who's been, you know, even called up from the minors to play for one game, you always have that adrenaline going. You always uh, kind of put up a great performance on the first night. It's a question of what you do down the stretch consistently after that first game. You know, think back to uh, trade deadlines of the past over the years, go all the way back to. 2004, if uh, there are fans out there who have uh, those memories ingrained in their minds the same way I do, the Canucks go out and acquire uh, Martin Ruszynski and Jeff Sanderson at the deadline that year to replace the suspended Todd Bertuzzi, and those two guys had very hot starts to their Canuck careers, uh, scored in their first games, both of them, I think. Sanderson had two goals in his first two games. What did they do after that? Not a whole heck of of a lot. So you got to wait and see a little bit. You got to see what guys do as time goes on. Uh, Trade deadline acquisitions uh, settling into their new roles on a new team. It's been three games. That's still not the biggest sample size, but I think it's big enough to say that this Toffoli trade is working out and could work out enormously well for Vancouver uh, if they do continue to win here and actually do make it into the playoffs. And that's not the hardest thing to do. Look, I know that the circumstances seem bad right now. You are without Brock Besser. You are without Jacob Markstrom. But the Canucks have put themselves into such a strong position with the way that they played uh, from December into January that, like, they can play 500 hockey here, basically, and still make it. They're in second place in in the Pacific as I record this at this very moment, but they are first in winning percentage I'm pretty sure. They have games in hand significant games in hand on the Vegas Golden Knights with the ability to catch up uh, and retake first place in the division. That shouldn't be too difficult, especially when you're playing an Ottawa team that should be in free fall at the moment, sold off a ton of their top tier assets at the deadline and some of their mid and lower tier assets as well. They stripped anything that, that wasn't bolted to the floor, basically, at the deadline. Ottawa should be a winnable game, and the way the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing as of late should be a winnable game in Toronto over the Leafs as well. So they they still need to go out there and win the games, and things do seem a little bit dire on that front without Jacob Markstrom to paper over all of this team's problems. But this is still a team that can make the postseason If they play 500 hockey, if they win 10 of their next 20, they should make their way in. And that's not the biggest ask in the world for a team with this talent, for a team that has the players. It's not like we're looking at a precipitous drop-off from Markstrom to Demko. It's not like you're putting in a Peter Scudra or a Johan Hedberg or, you know... (laughs) I don't know, uh, a, a, a Danny Sabarin, just a backup goalie that you have no faith in whatsoever. We have gone from spectacular goaltending in Jacob Markstrom, what the, what the Canucks were getting from Markstrom on a nightly basis, to very good, to just good goaltending. It's not like Thatcher Demko is bad by any stretch of the imagination. The Canucks just don't have Superman to bail them out and cover up their defensive deficiencies. But that can be a good thing, too. Because, in much the same way that Tyler Tafoli is proving to be a just masterful fit on that top line, kind of playing a hybrid game of like a cross between Brock Besser and Jake Vertanen, he's got that sort of playmaking element to his game that Brock does, but he also plays a more fast, direct, shot heavy style uh, that you're getting from Jake Vertanen this season as well. He's, you know, Kind of taking the best of both worlds in terms of the linemates that Travis Green has liked to put with those two guys up top and played, uh, you know, right down the middle. And it's working out fantastically. You know, the Canucks have needed a top six forward for a while. Someone to knock Louis Erickson out of that second line and give Vancouver a legitimate top six, you know. It's easy to say that they already had that, I guess, in some ways, when uh, uh, Jake was playing on the first line and Brock was playing on the third, and you know that's a second line that's used for a lot of checking assignments anyways. I understand that. But when Brock Besser comes back, this team will have a formidable, legitimate. Potent top six from guy number one to guy number six with some decent scoring options on the third line there as well. In addition to that, they're also going to re-inject Jacob Markstrom to the equation as well and hope that he can re-find his form as quick as can be ahead of the playoffs. Right now, though, Vancouver, as it only has to play 500 hockey, essentially, to make the playoffs— has a long runway at the moment to fix its problems systemically before they head into the most important time Of the year. This is a team that has played very fast and loose with defense over the last several months, deciding that, you know, they can just score their way out of their problems, and Jacob Markstrom can basically be Grant Fuhrer on the back end, being the best player in a game where he allows four goals because his teammates just hang him out to dry. That has been the recipe for Canuck's success for much of this season. When they have succeeded, uh, it's not always by a 9-3 margin. They might just squeak it out 4-3 like they did in Montreal, but they have to outperform their defensive gaffes. If they can tighten up in front of Thatcher Demko and play a more defensively responsible style, while a new top line with a legitimate top six winger in Tyler Toffoli plays with Elias Pettersson and JT Miller, and that Trio finds consistent chemistry, finds something that works, that has really worked over the last week here. Maybe this is as bad as it is, as much as it feels like a kick in the junk to lose these guys at this time of year when you are trying to close out uh, your playoff spot and your playoff position. Could be the best thing that happens to this group. It could be the perfect piece of adversity that they need to become a more solid top-to-bottom team heading into the playoffs. And we've seen teams that don't go through adversity at all. It doesn't tend to go well for them by the time you have to flip that switch in the playoffs. I mean, look no further than the Tampa Bay Lightning last season. For a team that simply had an easy go through the entire regular season and assumed that Oh, it'll just continue to be this easy as we head into the playoffs. That's not how it worked. And that's not how it works for, you know, and most teams, honestly. It's rare, honestly, that we see teams that just consistently dominate the entire regular season like that. Uh, I'd go back to, like, the mid-2000s even when, I mean, the year that Tampa won the Cup in 04, they were spectacular. All year long that year. Even Carolina in 2006, you could sort of see uh, their cup run coming, the way that they dominated their regular season schedule for much of the front half of those years. Go back even further to the Detroit teams that, you know, before the salary cap era just ran wild with spending and acquisitions and dominated the regular season there as well. All of those teams that went on to actually capture the cup, that went on to the proper glory that uh, you know makes them memorable, makes them teams that stand out in my mind, they all went through lulls uh, in the midway point or around the two-thirds marks, three-quarters mark of the season. They all lost their mojo for a little bit and had to rediscover how to be a winning team again. Did they do that because injury struck them or did they do that because they got complacent Ultimately, it doesn't matter. The Canucks have been forced into this situation where they are missing some real key pieces here. And as much as people want to feel down about it, I ultimately think if this is a team that wants to go for it this year, if this is a team that really believes in the group that it has this season, what they are able to do here over the next three to four weeks while they are without Brock Besser, while they are without Jacob Markstrom, while they are you know, technically without Josh Levo, who still might come back this season as well, When you get these guys back, not only will you be adding some major additions to your team right before the most crucial time of the year, but the overall team game that they are being reinserted into will have had to step up to another level in their absence as well. It will make this team better to go through this adversity, whether it feels that way right now or not. And not to sound like Travis Green here, but I like Thatcher Demko. I'm happy that he is getting this opportunity. Yes, it sucks that it comes in this way, but hey... He is an important part of this team's makeup. He is an important part of this team's future, whether it's as the future starter or the future number one trade chip to add another piece to this team as they move forward with Jacob Markstrom. Whatever it happens to be, you want to maximize the value of this piece, which might be finding out that you can let Jacob Markstrom walk and you have a perfectly competent starting goaltender waiting in the wings behind him. It might be that he, uh, you know, is is more valuable to another. team out there than he is to the Canucks, that's fine. You need to find spots like this to let him have a run like this to really find that out. That's not going to happen without a Jacob Markstrom injury. So as unfortunate as it is, it's ultimately for the best in terms of valuation and figuring out what the future of this team looks like in net as well. Uh, You know, I I thought that he played pretty well on Tuesday in Montreal. Uh, He wasn't great. The team wasn't great right out of the gate in front of him either. But they basically played about the way you would expect. Like that game was a microcosm of the story of how this team needs to play going forward uh, to still be a successful team and still close out the season successfully in the absence of Jacob Markstrom. They were very shaky to start because they didn't believe in themselves without their star Superman guarding the pipes behind them, you know? They looked very unconfident in the first seven, eight minutes of that game on Tuesday night, and it was their leaders who dug deep to pull them back in it. It was their leaders who decided that they were not going to allow this season to go sideways this way and stepped up in a big way. Bo Horvat with a power play marker late in the first period. Alex Edler with the equalizer in the second period. Those are the kind of players, the kind of players who have letters stitched to the front of their jerseys who need to be making an impact if this team is to be what they want to be. And, uh, you know, not only did those guys step up, but they got the kind of depth scoring necessary as well. That had dried up since the All-Star game somewhat outside of the Boston game on Saturday, obviously, where pretty much everyone and their mother and their dog scored in that game. Um But Jake Furtanen, you know, uh, a a gutsy goal. Just, you know, working hard all night long. He might have been the best Canuck in that game, honestly. A guy who felt inspired in the absence of these players that Vancouver is missing. And we need to see performances like that down the stretch. I talked quite a bit last week about how the way Vancouver was playing on that homestand was not acceptable for a team that has the aspirations that they do. More of their depth players need to be having long hard looks in the mirror and putting out the kind of heroic performances that we've seen over the last week. From guys like Jake Furtanen, from guys like Troy Stetcher. It's those guys, and it doesn't have to be the same one every single night, but somebody's got to step up. It cannot just be J.T. Miller. It cannot just be Elias Pedersen. It cannot just be Bo Horvat. Yes, all of those guys performing and thriving is good for this team, but they need depth scoring. It can come in turns. It can come in waves. But somebody needs to show up every single night. And uh, credit to Jake Furtanen for being that guy on Tuesday before Tyler Toffoli had the overtime winner to seal up the victory in Montreal. And man, I know it's early. I know it's three games. I know that uh, there's a lot of key pieces here that still need to be signed, including, as I mentioned, Troy Stetscher, Jake Vertanen, Jacob Markstrom, pretty much every important name that I've talked about on the show today, save for, you know, Bo Horvat perhaps and JT Miller. There are contracts that need to come down this summer, and when it's all said and done, if the cap doesn't go up, as it's not really expected to, uh, there's not going to be a lot of room to make the kind of moves that Vancouver might want to make. But Tyler Toffoli is fitting in in a way right now where he is that extra ingredient that this team has been looking for. For years. You could go all the way back to 2012, and Vancouver is looking for a player to do the kinds of things that Tyler Tafoli is doing for them right now. The guy has jam, the guy has pushback, the guy steps into scrums to defend the best players on this team. Uh, you know, the team has that in general right now. Bo Horvat talked about it after the game the other night that it's not just Vancouver who's trying to play extra gr- gritty and, you know, fight after kind of being called out for not doing that over the course of the season. Everybody's playing that way because it's playoff time. Everybody's playing harder to try and secure their spots. I understand that, but man, like, look, look at the trades that Vancouver's made over the years when they were just chasing a certain type, time and time and time again. Whether it was you know David Booth or Steve Bernier or or so on, etc. The list of guys that they were looking for in that mold, trading for Zach Cassian. Even drafting Jake Vertanen. They have been looking for a player like Tyler Toffoli. They have him right now. They should be doing everything in their power to try to keep him. And I know I just said, don't let a Martin Ruschinski or a Jeff Sanderson fool you. It's a small sample size. We probably need to see more from Toffoli before you can make that sort of declarative statement that he needs to stay. But he's bringing an ingredient to this team that has been missing and you know the only other guy who has brought it anywhere close to similar uh, over the last couple of years is Antoine Roussel and Antoine Roussel I love him, I don't mean to knock him by saying this, has not been the same guy over the last several weeks to the last month and a half, basically. He hit a conditioning wall, which is expected when you miss training camp, when you are injured for you know uh, that long, as long as he was to start the year, you are not going to have your legs, you are not going to have your lungs with you the way that you might need when you come back in, but... You know, he brought that fight. He brought that jam when he got back in the lineup. It has been missing again since Toffoli arrived here in Vancouver. And I think that makes him a necessary piece. I think that makes him an important part of what this team is trying to assemble. Uh, And just another leader, another guy who's done it before, who can step up and deliver when it's all on the line. I mentioned earlier the performance that JT Miller is having right now in another in alternate universe in a you know parallel timeline where the Canucks do not go out and acquire JT Miller this year we are looking at our young guys kind of wilting down the stretch and facing tough questions and not having tough answers to to answer them in post game scrums uh, after games or you know uh, during after practices during media availabilities, this could easily be uh, a year much like Henrik and Daniel faced towards the end of the, their careers, where they took the bullets for all these young guys and faced the music and faced the media during all these tough press conferences. That could be what Elias Pettersson is faced with right now, if not for the fact that a guy like JT Miller is delivering offensive production unlike anyone else on the team right now, save for Toffoli. And look, Toffoli was on a hot streak before he even arrived in Vancouver. He had four goals in two games for the Kings before the trade. Add that to what he's done here in Vancouver, that's seven goals in his last five games. He is on fuego right now, to say the least. It's carried over from what he was doing with Kopitar to what he's now doing with Miller and Pedersen, but... Uh, those guys are are doing what you want, you know. As much as we bust out the cliches about uh, Jay Beagle and and the other older guys that they've signed to play bottom six roles, I know it gets thrown around about Sutter as well. Leadership, uh, you know, Stanley Cup experience, so on, etc. That's less important to me when it's someone in a fourth-line role who's being counted on to score two goals a season like Jay Beagle. It actually is important for a top-six forward, and it actually is paying dividends right now for this team on the ice, on the scoreboard, and in the standings. So I like the move. I, I don't feel doom and gloom about this team, and even the fact that his wife is thoroughly involved in the sports scene down in Los Angeles. This was an Andrew Walker talking point uh, earlier in the week that he's not going to stay because his wife works uh, in in media relations or PR for the Dodgers, and uh, he's an L.A. guy. He's going to go back to L.A. No, he's not. No, he's not. These guys want to win. Why did Ryan Kessler leave Vancouver? He wanted to win. Is Tyler Toffoli going to win in L.A.? No, he wanted to leave L.A. for the better part of the last year, if not longer. And he's not going to stay with another California team because they are all terrible. The Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks are all bad. If his wife wants to keep her job with the Dodgers and if Tyler Toffoli wants to stay on the West Coast to be close to her so that they could at least you know, be in the same time zone and maybe see each other on occasion by sneaking up and down the coast... It's probably a lot easier to do that in Vancouver than it is in other places. This might be the perfect happy medium that he decides to stay in if, uh, you know, who knows? His good friend Tanner Pearson keeps working that angle that, hey, bud, we got a good thing going here. You should stick it out. I Sat Shaw was on the radio the other day saying that it's very early, but the whispers are that he's fitting in very, very nicely, and he likes it here. He could see himself staying here. If the Canucks can make it work from a salary standpoint, if they can wipe Louis Erickson's contract off the books this off season, which might be possible, who knows? Maybe it is possible to uh, get a little attached to what DeFoley is doing and think he can stick around as well. We'll see if his hot streak and his wonderful play continues into today's game as the Canucks take on the Ottawa Senators puck drop at 4.30 Pacific Standard Time. You can catch that game on Sportsnet Pacific on television and Sportsnet 650 on the radio. Uh, I'm looking forward to this one. I really hope that they just go crazy. It took them a little while, of course, to find their identity again. They were doubting themselves. And Travis Green has talked about this all season long. This is a young group that doesn't necessarily always have the level of confidence and swagger and belief in their own game that they should, given what they've done, given how they've performed over the course of the year, they found that swagger, they found that belief after they got yelled at by their coach about 10 minutes into the first period in Montreal. I want to see that in their game from the moment the puck is dropped uh, against the Senators later on today, and uh, I'm excited to see if that's what they'll do, because I think even with Demco in goal, even without Brock Besser, this is still a team that should be able to put up a good six, seven, maybe even eight goals on the Ottawa Senators. Having said that, of course, I just jinxed them, and they're going to get shut out and lose horribly. But uh, I don't know. We'll find out together, and I'll talk about it with you tomorrow morning. So look forward to that. Until then, if you enjoyed today's program, you can head on over to the iTunes Store or the Apple Podcasts app, I guess it's called now. Leave me a rating and a review, and I will be back tomorrow to break down the Ottawa game. Sorry that I... I, uh, Had been gone since Saturday after giving you a preview of what the Canucks were set to do against the Bruins on the weekend. Uh, I've had a bit of a a medical issue over the last couple days, but uh, several doctor's appointments later, I'm all sorted out. So no need to worry, but uh, my apologies that you did not have daily shows to start you off on the week this week. I'll keep you company all through the weekend, however, so look forward to that. Until then, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette. And you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.